Good morning and welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you that you're patient. We thank you that you incline your ear to hear our prayers. And Lord, it's you that we want to hear from today. We want to understand this importance of prayer and how important it is that we would be up on our knees. We would be seeking you. We would be seeking your will. So Lord, change our hearts where our hearts need to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read our text together. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 begins, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified, just as I did also with you, that we would be rescued from a perverse and evil men. For not all are of faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you're going to do and will continue to do what he commands. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. If you remember last week, Paul, we were looking at his prayer. In fact, what he does is he continues right into this chapter 3. In fact, he begins there in verse 1 with the word, finally. Now, he's not saying that he's coming to the end of the letter because here the word finally, which means there's something remaining. There's more to hear. It's a transition of prayer for the Thessalonians, and now it's Paul requesting prayer of the believers. See, Paul was experiencing great trouble at Corinth in the form of a persecution. It was the Jewish religious attacked Paul, dragged him before the civil authorities. While the case had been dismissed because of a religious matter, Paul was able to continue his preaching mission. But the Jewish legalists continued their opposition, stirring trouble of every opportunity they had. The point is this. Paul needed prayer. He needed believers everywhere praying for him, praying for him. But the note, what he's requesting is that he wasn't praying for comfort or his personal needs or for God to to take him from Corinth and, and put him in someplace else. No, no. His focus was not selfish, not upon himself. No, not in any way. See, his whole focus was upon the spread and the success of the gospel. Now, there are two things that were important to Paul. First, it was the need for the word to have a free course, to, to be glorified, because the word of God was being often hindered or hampered. Too often, it lacked power or influence among the people. In fact, that's the same problem that occurs today so often. And sometimes it is true. It is because of the opposition. But oftentimes it's because hearts are unprepared. 
sometimes people are just sleepy-eyed listeners. They're kind of half listening to you, not really into it. Or there's those that are daydreaming. And sometimes it's just simply unprepared, even carnal preachers and teachers of the Word. See, what Paul is praying is that the, the Word of God would have this free course, which means it can run. See, he uses the picture of an Olympian athlete running a race. The picture of the Word of God is spreading all over because there was an urgency. There was a need, really, for attentive hearts, for people to bond with the Word of God. There was a need for optimum conditions where people are hungry and ready and hanging on their seats, wanting to hear the Word. The Word to go vigorously out to be powerful, that when the people hear it, it just changes and transforms their lives. See, if the Word of God had free course, it it simply would be glorified. That is, the souls would be saved and lives would be changed. Marriage is healed. Broken relationships restored. People forgiving others and people seeking forgiveness. People would be Saved from the the snare, the enslavement of sin. Set free from the guilty consciences or the immoral and evil behavior in their life. Even the unjust treatment in this world. Or simply ignorance. Or really a big one is worldliness. One of the greatest problems in the word being effective is this this worldliness where we have a desire for the things of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life. Sometimes it's a, it's a love for knowledge. But what we need, and everyone needs, is to hear God. They want to hear Him and know Him and surrender to Him. See, if the Word of God had this free course, it could run and reign people would no longer experience emptiness or loneliness, a purposeless in their life, or even that lostness. See, they'd be set free to to know the Lord and to commit their lives to to reaching and meeting the needs of the world. And all the desperate people, all the lonely people of the world, they would have a purpose for, for living, a purpose for serving This is what Paul was praying. Again, not for his own comfort. It was not for his own needs. It was really for the glory of God. And this is exactly what had happened to the Thessalonians. If you remember, the word of God had freed them and and, and run freely among the Thessalonians. And there were many that were converted in 1 Thessalonians 1.5 and then again in chapter 2, verse 1 and 13. So Paul is simply saying, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified. Just as it did also in you. Verse 2, he continues in that you'll be rescued or they will be rescued from the perverse and evil men. For not all have faith. See, in this world, there are those that are going to quench the spirit, pull away from people, will affect people in a, in a big way. 
despite how spiritually strong, you know, people might think that Paul was, Paul understood he needed the prayer of the saints. I need your prayer. And you need my prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is work. Oh, it's not just sending a, a little prayer up. Lord, touch them, encourage them. It's laboring in prayer. It's praying without ceasing, going through life with this attitude in prayer. One preacher many years ago saw his study and, and prayer is so important that he put his work boots on to remind him this was work. E.M. Bounds said he had so much to do that he had to spend three hours in in prayer. See, he was seeking God, seeking the wisdom, seeking the knowledge, asking God to open up the doors and guide and direct, put people in his path or put him in the path of others, that too the word of God would move freely and be glorified in the lives of those that he came in contact with. See, this prayer is no small request. It is big. People say, I want to be used. And the greatest way that you can be used is spend time with the Lord, before the Lord. Pray and let the Lord lead you. Pray for the pastors, the evangelists, the, the Sunday school teachers. Pray for all the churches. Pray for every single congregation here that they would be on fire for the Lord. They would rightly divide that word of truth, that they would hear God speak and they would be obedient to him. Well, Philippians 2.16 says this, notice, holding fast the word of life so the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. See, Paul was laboring to bring the gospel message. He knew how important that gospel message was. Going back and reflecting in Acts chapter 9, stop and think with me just for a moment. He was struck down with this bright light, sincere, thinking he's doing the work of the Lord, yet he was going against what was called the goads. Sincere, sincerely wrong. But he come to know the mercy and the grace of God. And he saw himself as chief of sinners, and he saw how important it was for God to go before him. And God needs to go before you and me if we're to impact this community. The question arises, really, what is prayer? Prayer is a language, is, is a, a tool of communication. Well, love really is the primary propellant. Indeed, prayer at its best is a love relationship with a, a living God. Think about that. Encompassing both the aspects of conversion and, and communion. That you are a sinner separated from God. But, but when you understood the gospel, when you received the work of the cross and what Christ has done, now you're brought into this family the family you are adopted into, and you can boldly go to that throne of grace. You can have intimate fellowship with him. John 17 makes it very clear that eternal life is really knowing God. It's, it's having a relationship with him. It's not about just being saved from the penalty of sin, but it's being saved on 
to him. To know him. To rest in him. To enjoy him. And all of his wonderful creation and the work that he has for you and me. It would not be in vain or toil. It's interesting when we think about prayer, it's this love relationship. But it is it's also expressed in many different ways. Sometimes it's, it's, it's privately. Sometimes it's communally. Congregationally or socially or even culturally. I think all of us have probably prayed in many different atmospheres. A true conversational prayer entails active listening, patient waiting upon God. Well, it's okay to, to pour our concerns before Him, but it's, it's to learn to listen and receive that guidance, that direction. It involves careful discernment with God through His Word. As we pray, as we seek Him, the, the Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God. Even in human terms, conversation requires moments of silence. A popular acts system or method of praying is adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication exemplifies this conversational type. And particularly when the critical element of Scripture is factored into the equation. For it's primarily through the Word, God's Word, that we interact with God in that process of prayer. We encounter and experience God Himself. See, as a Christian, we have that, that privilege, but it's also a, a responsibility to, to pray regularly, to pray for the preachers, for the Word going forth in power. Paul well realized the power of prayer and the spreading of the gospel. And without the prayer, our witness has little power. And those who choose to pray much are those that God often uses mightily to help others to Christ. May God give us a spirit of prayer for effective evangelism. In this respect, prayer is like a spiritual walkie-talkie. You remember when you played with them as kids. But it's a walkie-talkie on the battlefield, the battlefield of the, this world. Prayer is calling up the, the heavenly artillery to blast open the way for the gospel. In fact, in Colossians 4.3 says this, praying at the same time for us as well that that God will open up for us a door for the Word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison. Paul's in prison for the Word of God, but he's praying. And he never stops sharing the Word of God. See, the prayer Ask God for his heavenly headquarters of clarity and courage in presenting this gospel. God, I need your wisdom, your direction. In fact, Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, notice what it says. With all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit, with this in view, be alert. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints, 
pray on my behalf that the utterance may be given to me an opening of my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. See, Paul wasn't ashamed to, to request prayer. He knew he needed that prayer. And we need to be praying for one another. Praying again for every pastor, every evangelist, every teacher, wherever God calls them to be. There's an urgency in this world. The, the Lord is coming, coming soon. We don't know exactly what it means, but we recognize the sign of the times. There's an urgency because there are so many that do not even know him. And yet you have the power in prayer to call upon the Lord and say, Lord, open up their hearts, open up their minds. Maybe it would be to say, Lord, I, I don't have a, a hunger for the lost. I really don't understand. But, Lord, you can give me that hunger. You can give me that discipline to pray that desire to pray, that I would pray and pray and pray and see the fruit of your kingdom, the glory and lives changed. Yes, there's an urgency, urgency to get the, the word of God out. It would run swiftly like a sprinter running. Acts 6, 7 says this, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So again, this, this prayer that again was working, the, the word of God was working and spreading rapidly and this is what Paul wants. in Acts 12, 24, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and multiply. See, they were praying fervently, passionately, continually, praying for their family, praying for their friends, praying for the congregation, praying that God would snatch them out of the fire before it's too late. And God was faithful in those prayers. Look at Acts 19, verse 20. So the word of the Lord was growing rapidly and prevailing. In Psalm 147.15, he sends forth his command in the earth, and his word runs very swiftly. See, all through the Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see this use, again, of running, of, of sprinting, of, of moving forward or mightily. We need to pray that the Word of God would be set free. That's what happens when a revival, the Word of God is set free and hearts are opened and, and people are coming to that saving knowledge of God. They have a desire to hear. They recognize their sinfulness and need and when they hear that gospel, it is good news to them. In Acts 13, 48, notice what it says. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord as many has been appointed to eternal life, and they believed. See, we need to pray. Pray for perseverance of the messengers, that they be rescued from the evil men and be able to continue to, to bring forth that word of God. See, Paul was not blind to the opposition. 
No, their evangelistic party was having great difficulties, as I mentioned in Corinth. And the opposition was growing. We need to pray that God would open up the hearts and the minds of the people, that the Word of God would go forth rapidly. I'd like to share an illustration with you. The experience of traveling to distant lands and the joy of meeting new people is one of life's greatest joys. To engage unreached people groups with the gospel is to indicate a, a high calling. But anyone who has traveled to a third world country learns very quickly that we're not in Kansas anymore. You will eat different food, learn different languages, adapt to unusual customs, adjust to bathrooms or different kinds of bathrooms, and sacrifice is what it's all about. See, in 1858, the Scottish missionary John G. Patton and his wife sailed to New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific, now called Vanuatu. Against the advice of many who saw this endeavor as a suicide mission, Patton and his wife left their families, their friends, the comforts of their home for a strange and distant land. Their consuming passion was to to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with native people, among whom were thousands of barbaric cannibals. Three months after arriving in the islands, his wife died. One week later, his infant son died. Patton eventually remarried after a short time and returned to the islands with his new bride. Together they spent the next 41 years faithfully serving and sharing the love of Jesus. Today more than 80% of the inhabitants of Vanuatu identify themselves as a Christian, a large part due to the sacrifices of Patton. Patton had commitment. And at home there were many that were committed praying continually to keep him strong, that he'd remain faithful in the field. And see, it's God that makes us faithful. It's the prayer of the saints holding up Paul and, and, and the different evangelistic team that was with him. It's today the, the prayer of the saints. It's your prayers that, that keep every pastor in the pulpit today when we're praying fervently. Again, Paul's concern wasn't for himself. But it's the word of the Lord, the, the gospel, that it would have this free course, just like Patton, a, a desire to reach and, and people hear it and be set free. Look back in verse 2. For not all have faith. In fact, First Samuel fifteen twenty three for rebellion is as the sin of divination. And in the subordination, it's also iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord and he who has rejected you from being king. And this is referring to, to Saul. 
Saul chose to do it his own way, like the book of Judges. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. God had told him what he was to do. God had given him everything he needed that he could do it, but he chose to do it his own way. He would not believe. He would not believe that he needed God every day. And I want to remind you, and you know already, that you need God. You need him daily. First Samuel fifteen twenty six. it goes on, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As God told Samuel, to obey is better than sacrifice. In verse 22, he had rejected the very word of God. God's called us to a life of prayer. God's called us to a life of sacrifice. God's called us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him daily. Notice 1 Timothy 1.19. In keeping the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Some choose not to believe. Some just choose to reject and rebel. There's a point you just need to commit them to Satan and let God deal with them. There's nothing that you can do and pray that they will come to their senses. Look with me in verse 3. We see and focus upon that faithfulness of the Lord. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Don't miss the, the beauty uh, of this, this contrast between verse 2 and, and verse 3. Verse 2 says not all have faith, but here in verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. See, not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. I love the, the expression used in the Bible, but God, but God. Man so often is a failure or does things his own way, but God. There is mercy for those who will call upon the name of the Lord. Those who will confess their sins. There is mercy. Well, again, this teaches us to, to look away from the, the faithlessness of men to a never-failing God. He's faithful. He's faithful to confirm you to the end. 1 Corinthians 1.9 tells us, See, God's faithful in regard to his creation, to his promises because he doesn't lie. He's faithful in salvation and in the power over temptation. He will not give you more than you can bear. He'll always give you an out. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here he's faithful to establish and guard us from the evil one. We need not fear or worry, but we need to pray. And a faithful God inclines his ear. He hears us. He's longing for us to cry out that he might intercede. He might act for us. Look again at verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. 
First Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. What was easy for Paul to write is he learned and knew that God was faithful. He knew that he needed just to turn to the Lord, cry out to the Lord, and thrust himself upon the Lord. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. A lot of people love this verse, and they say, Oh, wow, see, I'm faithless, and he's faithful. Why it says that. Notice the last part. He cannot deny himself. What that means is if a person chooses to live a life not of faith, but a life apart from God, dependence upon his own, he will suffer those consequences because God has set these boundaries. God is righteous and just. If we decide just to live life our own way, he is not going to pour his blessings upon you. It's only those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, it's interesting that word strengthen means to establish, to set firm, to to make steadfast. When you look to him and I look to him, he makes us steadfast. The word speaks, speaks of an inner strength. The strength that keeps a person from unsettled, unstable, when faced with challenges. Paul's concern was that he and his companions would have an inward stability to deal with the outward circumstances they were facing and would face. Notice the word protect, too. Guard, preserve, and keep. It suggests really being kept and safely. And I like that. For the believers, that I can assure a believer who trusts in the Lord, the one who has truly been born again, that they will be kept until that day, the day of Christ when he takes us home to be with him. See, Paul was assuring the, the Thessalonians at this point that the Lord would guard them by keeping his eyes upon them. Just as he talked about Israel, they're the apple of his eye. You too are the apple of God's eye. Paul was assuring the Thessalonians that the Lord would be a a fortress, a wall around them, that he would protect them. And these young Christians could be assured that the Lord would hold them fast. And Paul was not saying that the Thessalonians would not have some afflictions or persecution or some type of suffering. No, no. He was saying that the Lord would preserve them through the afflictions and the persecution. Paul does not pray that they will be set free from the trials, but that God would establish and God would quicken and God would strengthen them in the midst of these trials and that God will cause them to endure and their faith would grow. And then they would realize that God is faithful in every way. Again in verse 4, notice what it says. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you and that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. See, Paul had this confident faith 
this confident faith is the kind of knowledge of God in Christ that carries with him this absolute confidence. He was so sure that God would keep them until the end. He's assuring them. And I can say the same thing, that God will keep you until that day. Paul had this confident faith. Faith is, is, is confident of the, the good news that God in Christ has once and for all died for man. For the sins of the world, for those who believe and trust him, can have this confident faith. It won't be undone. They won't be overcome by sin or death or judgment or hell. No, because God will sustain them. God will keep them. All they need to do is thrust themselves upon the Lord like a little kid running in the arms of their father or their mother. Keep them and protect them. The believer should experience really a, a joyful sense of liberation more than any baseball game, football game, or anything, knowing that we're free in Christ, cap until that day. Nothing should ever rob us of our joy. In 2 Timothy 1.12, it says this, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Paul continually speaks of his confidence in God, this confident faith. And this confident faith only comes by knowing God in a very personal, intimate way. See, God will keep you. And this is the motivation to want to follow him, to keep his commandments. To love him with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength and love your neighbor. It's really the same thought of First Peter 1.5, kept by the power of God, as I mentioned earlier. You're kept by the power of God. That's his part. How? Through faith. That's our part. By just simply putting our faith upon, resting in trusting in allow him to work in and through us in fact we also see philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 that we're to work out our salvation that's our part applying what he teaches us for it is god who is to work in you god puts a desire in our hearts and we simply act in obedience showing that we're true believers may the lord Direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. And this is Paul's last words in this prayer. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Not into signs and wonders. Not into great knowledge, but really into the love of God. Knowing God in a, a very personal way. As a child knows a father and a mother, they find security in the arms of their mother or father. A baby laying upon the chest of their mother or father, hearing the, the beat of their mother or father, they find security. In that same way, we should find that peace and security being in the arms of God. See, the general promise of this victory of the gospel is found 
throughout the Scripture, especially in the New Testament. And it should be the motivation for us to pray in the way that Paul exhorts us here. Think how much more powerful and productive the church could be if all the members responded in prayer. Sometimes we can throw our hands up. Well, you know, it's, it's not a matter of my posture here. I could, I could pray standing. I don't need to get on my knees or I don't have to get on my face. But I think when you truly seek the Lord with all your heart, mind and soul and strength, you won't think about posture. There may be times that you find yourself flat before him in awe of him. It might be your knees. It might be sitting. But what's important is in prayer you will see him. You will hear him. And you'll have a choice to either obey him or not obey him. Paul's calling us to pray with a passion and an intensity. There's an urgency. There was a need at that time, and that urgency and the need is here in our own town in Hilo. Look around. Look at all the lost people. How can we not pray? How can we not call upon the name of the Lord? Father, forgive us. Forgive me. For those times I have not sought, I have not prayed, that we have not sought and prayed. God, you've brought so many people into our lives, so many opportunities to love and encourage and lavish with your love. But there's times, Lord, we know that we have not been faithful and we ask today that you would make us faithful. That you would give us more opportunity to pray. That you'd give us fresh vision and direction. Lord, that the word of God would spread rapidly. That we would see the, the power of the word of God changing lives and people being saved and relationships being reconciled. God, have mercy upon this city, upon every congregation, upon this island, and upon each of the islands here. And Father, we pray that you will not stop here, that you'll continue to move in these last days before you come. Instill in our hearts that, that urgency to seek you, to seek the lives of those that do not know you. And all God's people said, Amen.